Hey, you guys, and welcome to this episode of How to Watch a Movie as a Christian. I'm Riley. I'm PJ. And I'm Javen. How to Watch the Menu as a Christian. The Menu came out last year. Late last year? Or Late last year, or? yeah. Yeah, you saw it in theaters. I did. You I did. streamed it last night. And I oh watched God. it like three days ago. And it stars Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Ray Fiennes, Voldemort, Voldemort himself. And the Beast guy, the blue X-Men Oh, I was wondering yeah, where yeah, that yeah. guy came from. Yeah. yeah, He's the nerd. He's the, the foodie who doesn't cook. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a, what, what would you say? It's not quite a horror, but it is definitely like eerie and bloody. And Yeah, it's pretty horrific, yeah. the content within. But it's, it's so satirical that it doesn't feel like a horror because it is like borderline funny. Yes. It's but I would, I would consider it a horror movie. Horror comedy thriller. Yeah. Satire. Yes. And so, you know, we, we, this is a spoiler conversation. So the, the plot of the movie is that Anya Taylor joy gets somehow we find out later, uh, invited or brought into this high class dining experience that costs $1,200 a head. And, uh, lo and behold, everyone's going to die tonight kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Spooky. And so it, it pokes fun at high-class dining. Have you ever had a high-class dining experience? I did when I got engaged. Where? Where was it? I went it? to this place called Aqua. And uh, how much was it per head? We paid $300 total for both of us. Oh, whoa. But we had a gift card, and then we had someone give us money too. How much was the gift card for? It was like 150 Okay. So All we, right. and was I it worth three hundred dollars? Dude, it was wild. It actually was. Did sh- it, was it relatable to the movie? It well, I didn't make it. Didn't make me think Did of you Aqua. Die? But, like Aqua or <laughs> Aqua Cor- type Where's Corinne? Go- <laughs> 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 there was a. I was blown away. I walked in and there was like man, unironically wearing a monocle. No oh, yes. way. That's okay. Nice. That's nice. (laughs) Like we're in high class society. There's a valet. Like you can't park. You go to the valet and they go, "Uh, "Sir," and I was so startled. I was like, "Here's my keys. (laughs) Go take my car, I guess." And then I. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever had a high class dining experience? I've been a dentai fung. (laughs) (laughs) In Seattle. Yeah. That's good. I guess that's thirty bucks for a, yeah. a plate of a plate dumplings. Of yummy dumplings, Michelin dumplings. star dumplings. That is true. Th- those are good. So but good. A high class dining is a different thing. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, we've only had two. The first one was at the Inn okay. in Whidbey Island, which is one hundred fifty a head. Mm. And then Brittany and I also went to this place, also on Whidbey Island, called Oyster Catcher. Whoa. And it was like deconstructed salmon with uh, some puree, like green pea puree. I mean, it's delicious. It really is. And I think the main thing about the high-class dining experience is that it's the flavor profiles, like layers, they really are. You're like, this is real. Mm. There's nothing simple about it. That's the hard part is that you can't just eat it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, here, let me explain it and let me walk you through it. And you're like, it's almost oh. like watching a movie in a way, but you're eating. It's like you're, I, you're consuming. Yeah. It's an experience. Some form of almost an entertainment. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. our performance. There's a spectacle behind yeah. the dish. Except instead of sensing with your eyes or whatever, it's with your tongue. I don't know what, where, well, I don't know the history of fine dining, uh, especially modern fine dining, which this movie like makes fun of. I will Spain. say this. Did you know this? It's based off of a local restaurant here. In Seattle? Yeah. Or in Northwest? In Lumi Island. Oh, really? really? Yeah. <gasps> it just I've closed been down. there. Yeah. Is oh, that what the one you're there. talking about? No, but oh. I've been to this one. Yeah. I only had breakfast there. It's loosely and it was based amazing. Off of that. Yeah. Their breakfast was incredible. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Did you know that? I did. I forget what it's that. called. It's like something. <laughs> yeah. There's this huge controversy about it where it was like, oh, we source all our food locally, but it they just got so busy and so popular that the chef had to go to Costco. It was like this huge scandal. Everybody and someone saw him there and took a picture yeah, or something. Something like that. <laughs> Anyways, the restaurant's closed now because the chef was oh, like stinky. Oh, <laughs> my bad word. That That's is, crazy. He's a bad wow. boy. I mean, when we were there, they like made their own honey and they had Whoa. bees and they kind of drizzled the honey like from up here. Oh, onto wow. the dish. You see that in the menu. Yeah. Like we Being stung is part of the experience. Shore. Yeah. And there's like little bees in there. So, wow. Okay. So the menu is a satire, which, how would you describe satire? What's the point of satire? I mean, it's like taking something, like it's, it's taking a reality and poking fun at it in a way, like this reality. Usually funny. Usually funny, yeah. It's, Typically, it's synonymous with comedy for sure. But in this reality, it is the fine dining experience and all the different sort of customer types who might be in attendance at one of these restaurants. And it's poking fun at each one of those like stereotypes. Yeah, and the yeah. characters aren't aware that they're absurd and silly no. as well. I feel like that's yeah. part of satire as yeah. well. And, and in some ways, they are exaggerated. Yeah. Although in this movie it did feel real. Like yeah. in the sense that their behavior was very observably real. I've th- thought I've seen those people. You and know it's, I mean? it's sad that it feels like they should be caricatures or exaggerations of people, but they are just real types of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah. a person that exists. Here's a question then I thought would be funny to answer, which is, uh, well, let's, let's make it a two parter so you can answer it one way or the other. Oh, okay. One is, have you ever had dinner with people like this? And if so, which people? Oh. Like, which table have you had dinner yeah. at? And the second one was, which people are you? <laughs> I've definitely had meals with people who obsess with making sure people know what they're eating by, you know, taking the picture, posing or whatever. Yeah. And it feels so silly to me because, I, I mean, I just naturally am not a picture taker. So I don't think to take pictures of my food. I just want to put it in my stomach or whatever. Yeah. And so it always, I wouldn't say annoys me, but it, 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 it's silly to me. Like, just eat the food. I don't yeah, know. You're saying like, how do you consume food? Do you do it through pictures and talking yeah, about like, it? Are you here just so, to let people know that you're here? A status thing. Or are you here because you need to eat food? <laughs> and they even <laughs> say, yeah. he even says, whatever you do, do not eat. Yeah. Right? Into the chef. Yeah. yeah. Taste. 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 Don't eat. Yeah. Yeah. And it, cool. yeah, it was so funny. The first thing that they introduced was all the oils, the breadless 
bread and it's just oils and homeboy's just going at these yeah. oils. <laughs> he's like, it's genius. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so funny. But it, it makes sense. Like people would do that. Did you relate to that dude though later when he forces him to cook? And I he, think he's the most relatable for me. Really? If I'm going to be any character, because I feel like it doesn't just apply to food. It applies to any oh, form yeah. of art. Right. And I'm the, I'm the you, boy that's you like... You act like you're all about it, but you can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Letterboxd like, man, this character had no motivation and the cinematography was so lame. You put me behind the camera, I'm gonna, it's going to be You become like, the old guy from Spongebob. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be so bad. And I'm working like, that's what I want to do is get better at that. And I am doing that. Yeah. But I, I can only yeah. cook eggs. I can't make the genius would you yeah, totally. would you say then in your because we're kind of t- having a conversation then about what types of i don't know pride or arrogance because mm-hmm. part of the movie is each table represents like a certain arrogance and he says you all will die tonight yeah. and yeah. so they're there to die and and that's sort of what satirical or even horror does is it pinpoints some problem with humanity and then says now die for it you know mm-hmm. would you would that be more that dude that kind of pathetic um uh dude who's like <laughs> he he thinks that he's cool but he can't actually cook or would it be more like the critics who are overly critical you know what i mean yeah, of everything. i think that would be me really yeah i just for whatever reason will be at i don't know dick's burgers and I think, oh, this fry could be a little bit more crispy or blah, blah, blah. But it's like I paid $7 for this piece of garbage meal yeah. and I'm like criticizing it to a <laughs> T for some reason. I feel like what's interesting about the – so you have like the woman critic, right? But then her buddy pal guy friend mm-hmm. that just says yes to everything that she's saying. Yeah. That's an interesting character that exists that I probably relate with a little bit more. Where I'm like just living my day. I'm not educated in the, in the fine arts, so to speak. But then I'll watch some YouTube video of some critic going, Hey, you see, this, this bone broth is, has separation. It's not emulsified. And then I'll be like, yeah. Yeah, because like, he had his own opinions. Yeah. And then would just and then heard the reverse critic. it yeah. because of what she said. Yeah, right, which is so funny. Yeah. That is so funny. It was like I was talking to somebody the other day about... Um, Zelensky, the Ukrainian president coming to visit Joe Biden or something. And he was dressed like I, it was ironic. He he was dressed like every Ukrainian I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny. And so, uh, news anchors on Fox news were making fun of him saying that he was dressed like he owned a strip club. Which, if you've hung around Ukrainians, is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, no offense to any Ukrainians here. But, uh, first of all, that is no business in a news channel. Such kind of bit low of observations have nothing to do with the news. But, anyways, this person, that was the first thing he said. I'm like, oh, yeah, Zelensky, he's in town kind of asking for X, Y, Z. And he goes, did you see him? He looks like he owned a strip club. And I'm like, do you just watch Fox News? Like, do you have your own opinions? You're just right. repeating Tucker Carlson. 
that's a lot of people. They don't have it. <laughs> totally. That's me. When I'm, I watch like YouTube uh, film critics and like I adopt their thoughts. Oh yeah. And I don't even mean to. I don't want to. I want to be original, but I just find myself parroting people and going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. But yeah. All right, Anthony Fantano, tell me what I feel about this music. <laughs> totally, the music, <laughs> even politics. That's a huge thing. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm a, a lesser version of Ben Shapiro. Right. You right. know, I think for me, the guy I sadly related to was the failed actor. Really? Wow. Well, just in the sense of like, <laughs> <laughs> you did not make it in show business. That's why we're here. <laughs> no, because his greatest fear is like, he's insignificant and he doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And yeah. he's like, He's saying, oh, yeah, I met that guy. Actually, we're friends. But it's like, that's not real. You made that up. And I don't make a habit of that, but I sense that desire to, like, play up my convi- my connections yeah. more than, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, you know, you, you're attached to, like, some old piece of work that you did, and you're, like, really proud of it. But no, everyone else has moved on. And mm-hmm. that's sad. You know, so I think that the film does an amazing job of of cluing you into that quick. Mm-hmm. It almost does it as well as I almost thought of the film as almost like a murder mystery in its vibe, like Knives Out. Yeah. Sure, kind of like it's got a, a clue esque. These yeah. archetypes showing up and s- stuck in one spot that they can't escape. Yes, and then people dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that it's crazy how well this movie pigeonholes a character into just a thing that they've done. Yeah. But you still feel like they're relatable to you. How does it do that? Like, how does it feel? Cause we, we talk about like more prestigious films, the characters are complex. They have motivations that kind of crisscross and they're changing. This film has none of that. So how does, how do I still connect to characters if they're so one dimensional? I mean, there's a lot of relatability in the way they, respond to things because like we have mentioned we do see ourselves in a lot of these characters maybe not as exaggerated in our personalities but the way they respond to things happening around them is the way that we would too especially to finding out that everyone's going to die tonight like that's going to happen and everyone sort of it's interesting because the way they respond is they sort of try to get away but nobody really tries to get away yeah. Like they almost feel like they deserve to die, which I mean, morbidly, I feel like we could fall into that same thing of like, maybe I do deserve to die. Maybe I am just a bad person. And that is one of the themes of the show. Even the chef believes he deserves mm-hmm. to die. Why? Yeah. Because he's obsessed with perfection and he has lost his love of cooking. Yeah. And so therefore, why go on? He says to everyone, you've all destroyed my art. Yeah. You are all responsible for the destruction of my art. I think it's what he says before the final thing. Now die as a s'more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those little chocolate hats. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about Anya Taylor-Joy's character. She ends up being a, what would you say, like a prostitute or an escort? An escort. Yeah, yeah. like an escort for hire. Mm-hmm. Brought along by the, the kind of weaselly dude. Who, who's like a foodie, kind of a fake Carrie or Terrence, something like that? Something. Yeah. He, um, he brings her in, and he knew the whole time that this was a death, mm-hmm. 
a parade. Yeah. yeah. And, and he still brought her on. But she has this arc. So she does have a little bit of an arc. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about her. How is she kind of different? And how does the theme kind of set her apart? Because she smokes. She smokes. She wears leather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Boots. True. She's not like, she's red haired. <laughs> she's not, not like, the like other those girls. other girls. <laughs> she's not like those She's other different. <laughs> yeah. She, she likes, well, she's simple. She's simple. She, you, you have the whole interaction with the chef and her where he's like, you're not these people. You're more like us. Yeah. Right off That's the bat, right. he's yeah. extremely intrigued with her because one, she's not supposed to be there. Every single person there is was curated to be there for a very specific reason. Yeah. And the only reason Anya Taylor-Joy character, Margot, I think her name was... That was her fake name. Oh, yeah. It's like Aaron. There's Aaron, Aaron or something. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to call her Margot anyway. Yeah. The only reason Margot is there is because Homeboy brings her along because his other date canceled on him. And so she just was brought along a week or so, whatever, prior they met and... Now she's kind of this fish out of water. So we're sort of experiencing this movie through her eyes and through her lens of this is bizarre. Like this is yeah. not a bread plate. There's no well, bread think, here. And I think that she, so she provides our eyes, mm-hmm. but she also, when, you, when he says you're not supposed to be here, that's true thematically as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. She doesn't have one of the faults that would lead to her deserve, quote, deserving death, mm-hmm. right? So therefore, we're clued into her and we're going, okay, what's mm. different about her? And the difference is she still loves. She still has love. It's, mm. it's not, she's not driven by perfection. Now she is complicated and there's, a, there's some horrible things in her past, mm-hmm. but she hasn't, it's not led to her being like an empty shell or yeah. um, a douchebag you know, yeah. like those rich dudes that are all kind of high-fiving and stuff. <laughs> or like those pathetic old uh, married married couple right. who've been there 11 times and don't even remember one dish, you know. Yeah. So she's sort of got this thing, and it's symbolized in the cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Right. She just wants a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. That cheeseburger looks so she's good. She's munching on it on the way out. Yeah. She's like, it's a good burger. What well, cheeseburger did it remind you of that you have had? Pulp Fiction. Oh. No, that you have eaten. Uh, I, my favorite burger place is Burger Master. Really? Whoa. I go to Burger Master all the time. Wow. Interesting. I don't think I've ever been. It's like a little, it's like Dick's Drive-In, but Mustard. Like bougier, but also still like that, you know, hey, you she? Yeah. Oh, no, that's like 20s, like <laughs> the 50s vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like This character really lives <laughs> in your head. Yeah. Hey, you she? <laughs> Where's my money? What'd you do with her? Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> The, what even is a 50s accent? I don't. Uh, hey, man. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really Roller don't. skates? Yeah, it's like you got your red convertible car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old school. You, it's a drive in. up. It's a drive okay. up. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then it's like the waiter goes out and goes, What can I get for you? And the burgers are they yummy. They hang the burger thing on your window and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's that's cool. It it's reminded fun. me of a place in Southern California called Green Cheek, where uh, it's like a brewery, so you get beers there, and they brew it all there. But they the burgers are like um, smashed. Oh, they smash yeah, yeah. the burger down in a and it fries again. Everything mm. all the way to the edge. It's like crispy and just. Yeah. That sounds me hungry. Yummy. Smash like burgers. burgers. 
Yeah. yeah. Yummy. Have you been to Smashburger? <clears throat> I've only been to it in the New Jersey airport. Wow. <laughs> I've had a Smashburger, but not from Smashburger. Right. That would be a good restaurant idea. Is Super Smash Bros Burger? Yeah, Super Smash Burger. You have you play Smash Bros and you eat burgers, and the burgers are based off of the characters. Yes, oh, I would get the That's... Zero Suit Samus Burger. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would just be lettuce. It would just be lettuce. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and a Sprite. <laughs> it would be lettuce and Sprite Zero. <laughs> So let's talk about <laughs> a film and kind of it uses satire, horror, eeriness, mystery yep. to kind of convey things. It's very, I wouldn't call it agenda driven, but it very much is saying something. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about it from a Christian point of view. Uh, what kind of stood out to you about how the film kind of articulates its themes contrasted with the way of Christ? Yeah, there's a... So one thing that stood out to me the most was the chef is kind of the embodiment of this obsession with perfection and the costs associated with that. So like with the chef, you see Anya Taylor-Joy like break into his his bedroom, his, his secret office, and you see like all these pictures of his history and how he had a family, he had a kid, he had a wife. And then the next photo is him like opening this grand restaurant, but where's this kid and where's his wife? You know, so he's he's obviously lost his family. He's lost a ton in pursuit of like obtaining the perfect dish. Um, You even see that like with the I forget the chef's name, but the guy that made the mess. He's like this guy that's also obsessed with perfection and trying to never be great. Yeah, he'll (laughs) never reach that perfection. Or you, you have that line where the chef is like. I've made a career off of trying to satisfy people that can't be satisfied. He's like driven, he's literally driven psychotic and murderous over this obsession with perfection. And through that process, the love for his art and his craft has been lost. And he's wanting Which to also murder. symbolized in a cheeseburger because there in his yes. bedroom is a picture, a picture of, of him happy just flipping yeah, a burger. Just flipping a burger. And um, it's, that, it's that pressure of perfection that it, it's also a judgment force. So quite literally, all these customers have specific sins that they must be judged for. Perfection demands it in this weird, twisted way, you know, where there's, it's not unloving, it's cold. And I, don't, I mean just the idea of perfection. There's a lot that you can pull out of the gospel and the difference between biblical, you know, Yahweh's perfection and how that is different than the chef's version of perfection. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. And I think perfection is a crushing force. A lot of people relate to that. Yeah. I'll never be perfect. I'll never reach a standard. And a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of cultures are built around that, yeah. achieving a standard, achieving a culture, uh, kind of a, a prestigious place of honor in society. And so that's like you're constantly almost judged by that. What would be the difference? Because clearly in the scripture, God is perfect. Mm-hmm. And Jesus even says, be perfect yeah. as your heavenly father is perfect. How do we 
what is it that allows a follower of Christ to know God is perfect and to look at him every day and yet not be judged by it and not be crushed by his yeah, perfection. Totally. I I was thinking about this this morning on how the character of God, he is perfect. He has this judgment sense to him for sure. Um, perfection demands that. But what he also has is he has love, his perfect love. And that's something that the chef is fighting really hard to obtain in this weird, twisted way. He's that, like giving it up. He's yeah, like, I lost my love that for he my, had. what I do years ago, he says, yeah. in the office. So let's just purge the system, so to speak. He's almost doing like Noah's Ark in a weird, twisted way. But what I found beautiful, you know, with Anya Taylor-Joy, she's like, I would like a cheeseburger. And then all of a sudden, this love for the craft comes back. And how with the character of Yahweh, it's, it's both perfection and love. You have the pristine... Like, oh my word, how can you have such a beautifully layered dish? And then you also have the cheeseburger. You have yeah. the perfection and you have the love right. contained in one meal. I don't know where this analogy's going, but that's beautiful. I like that. That is really interesting. God is the perfect cheeseburger. He's a <laughs> yummy cheeseburger. When I read long ago that there's a contrast in scripture between Greek notions of perfection and Hebrew notions of perfection, mm. and they're very different. So when, when the Greeks were trying to be perfect, uh, they would, you know, there's like certain fitness things, there's philosophy in Greek culture, and there's this like standard, Aristotle, you know, we're here, slaves are here, and there's this like notion of perfection, and we've inherited that idea of perfection in the West. Perfection is a standard that you cannot achieve, but you're striving to. Yeah. Well, the Hebrew notion of perfection is different. It's actually alignment with purpose. Hmm. So the perfect cheeseburger is not some standard. It's, it's just doing what a cheeseburger ought to do. And so in the same way, a perfect human is not whole as whole. It's not like you're not expected to be. God himself, perfect. Yeah. perfect, perfect, like the way we often think. But to be perfect in the Hebrew sense is to be aligned with uh, your created purpose, mm. which is wow. to worship God, love your neighbor, and everything. And so that's why uh, the Hebrew scriptures can be jam-packed with these commands that are like, be holy as I am holy. In the Greek sense, you look at that and go, what a crushing standard. Mm. But in the Hebrew sense, it's like, no, that's what I'm designed to do. Fascinating. And so there's never the, in the, in the Hebrew idea, there is never the misconception that, that, oh, if I don't measure up, I'll die. Because in, in that passage, Leviticus 19, and it's all through Leviticus, in Leviticus is the provision for imperfection. Mm -hmm. You're not perfect. Here's a sacrifice. Right. You're not able to meet the standard. Here's atonement. Here's forgiveness. So it's like you have you literally have the standard mixed with the love. The love. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right yeah. right in the same passage. And you see that expressed in the menu as well. The chef's perfection is met when the cheeseburger is made. 
yeah. that's when he's lined that's his up with purpose. purpose. Yeah. And maybe it's not as tasty mm-hmm. profile, but that's not the point of a cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's cool. It's a cool that thought. That's really cool. Wow. Love that. Mm. Well, this has been How to Watch the Menu as a Christian. We are Pacific Parable, and we will see you at church. Thank <laughs> you.